All right, glad you're with us. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Biden yesterday, where am I tomorrow? Uh, 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 I don't know. Biden gives a, a little presser today. Well, he mixes up Iraq and Iran. That was funny because Kamala actually referred to the ticket as the Harris ticket. And Biden says he's running for re-election. If we get re-elected, you're not the president. Has anyone told you? And Biden goes, the Harris-Biden administration. And I'm like, okay, just another day of Joe confusing pretty much everything in his life. Listen. Harris-Biden administration is going to relaunch that effort and keep pushing further. We know how to do this. The Obama-Biden administration rescued the auto industry and helped them retool. We made solar energy cost competitive with traditional energy and weatherized more than a million homes, which is just the beginning if we get reelected. The Iran parliament, the Iran parliament voted to eject all Americans and coalition forces from the country. Okay. So there's a typical joke. By the way, we'll get to this later in the program today, but you have a historic peace deal today as it relates to the Middle East. Now, Frankly, thanks to Joe and Barack and their idiotic, imbecilic, moronic, you know, appeasement deal with the Iranians where they got nothing in exchange for it. They got nothing. The mullahs that chant death to Israel, death to America, get $150 billion in cash and other currency, and we had nothing in exchange that we got. No assurances they're not going to build a, a nuclear weapon. You know, no any place, anytime inspections, no U.S. inspectors. They got nothing in the deal. Absolutely zero. Anyway, but, you know, so how does so you got this historic deal, the president presiding over ceremonies celebrating the establishment of diplomatic ties and embassies between Israel, the United Arab Emirates and the kingdom of Bahrain normalizing is Israeli Bahrainian, you know, relations you know, what do they say over at NBC? The The world needs to see this charade for what it is. This is not a peace agreement, but rather an accord to join forces to suppress struggles for freedom. Only the mob in the media can be that stupid and inter- interpret success to this level. That's how much they hate Donald Trump. And, and it, it's, it's, it's a so- form of madness on their part. Uh, but it's just pretty much another day, you know. Um, anyway, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free number. Two weeks from today, we will have the first presidential debate, uh, which will be very interesting. A lot of voting information available. It's 49 days, and you are the ultimate jury. I cannot tell you how this election is going to end up, which I think, you know, is just reality. I think anybody that tells you they do know how it's going to end doesn't know how it's going to end It's going to be you, the American people, that will decide. We will ultimately get the the government we deserve. And either you're going to vote for a guy that clearly is struggling, struggling cognitively, that has no strength, no stamina, is not up to the job. I wouldn't hire Joe Biden to run a gas station or a mini mart or a 7-Eleven or a busy McDonald's. Forget it. You know, what is that again? That order fries and, and a shake. Okay, what? Now, hang on a second. What's that order again? It would be a disaster. And we're going to p- give him the hardest job in the in the in the world to be the leader of the free world. Biden is complaining Hispanic voters are deserting him. 
Uh, he said this yesterday on the eve of his first trip to Florida. Uh, Joe, as a general election candidate, Biden's on a mission that, you know, he's going to be courting Spanish speaking voters. I will talk about how I'm going to work like the devil to make sure I turn every Latino and Hispanic vote when asked by reporters what his message would be to the largest, the country's largest traditional general election battleground state. When asked about the poll numbers among Hispanic voters, Biden said they were much higher than Trump's, but they got to go higher. A month ago, Biden held a four-point advantage over the president in the real clear politics average in the state, and that's down considerably. And among likely Latino voters in Florida, NBC News, Marist, and Quinnipiac University, all indicating that the president, uh, with a slight edge over Biden, is a significant switch from four years ago when 2016 candidate Hillary Clinton crushed President Trump by more than 25 points among Florida's Latino voters. Uh, now, by the way, those this was a Rasmussen poll today has remained very favorable for the president. 51 percent is approval rating the second day in a row. He's been as high just recently as 52 percent. And they're reporting that 63 percent of voters who have seen the violent protests in their community strongly approve of the president. Uh, how could you not if you don't have law and order and safety and security, you can't have freedom. Uh, on a side note, a very dire warning coming from Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson saying that the Senate Homeland Security Committee, in which he chairs, that they are poised to release a damning report on Joe Biden's dealings in Ukraine. Well, maybe you've been waiting, you know, everybody's been saying, oh, no, this is, no serious person is taking this seriously. No, Joe Biden's saying. You, uh, you're not getting a billion U.S. taxpayer dollars unless you fire a prosecutor in Ukraine. Why would a vice president want a prosecutor in Ukraine fired? Why would he leverage a billion taxpayer dollars to do it? Oh, turns out that prosecutor is investigating his son, zero experience Hunter. And the Hunter, does he have any experience in oil, gas, energy, Ukraine? No, 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 says well, why do you think you're getting paid all this money? Millions of dollars with no experience. I don't know. In the Could list you gave me of the reasons why you're on that board, you did not list the fact that you were the son of the vice president. Of course, president. yeah. No, I, what I, role do you think that played? I think that it is impossible for me to be on any of the boards that I just mentioned without saying that I'm the son of the vice president of the United States. You were paid $50,000 a month for your position? Look, I'm a private citizen. One thing that I don't have to do is sit here and open my kimono as it relates to how much money I make or make or did or didn't. But it's all been reported. If your last name wasn't Biden, do you think you would have been asked to be on the board of Burisma? I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. I, I don't think that there's a lot of things that would have happened in my life that uh, that if my last name wasn't Biden. You have any experience in oil? No. Gas? No. Energy? No. Ukraine? No. Why are you being paid millions? I don't know. Uh, by the way, Kamala also plans for the Harris administration. It's got Twitter set ablaze with conspiracy theories. Um, but... You know, this is what we're running against. So Ron Johnson is going to release that. That's going to be interesting. Uh, Obama campaign veterans are worried about, just like Bernie Sanders supporters, that Biden's lethargic campaign is going to cost them the election. Uh, the Hill is reporting a, a field training call over the weekend. Several vets of Obama and Clinton. We also know Bernie, too, expressing a lot of concerns to Carolyn Gray, who's a Biden campaign aide. 
And Obama aides are grumbling privately following the Saturday Zoom call, which had been aimed specifically at getting Obama alumni more active in the final stretch of Biden's campaign. After the call, one former Obama aide said that if Biden loses a close election, analysts will look back on the field operations in the same way they look on Hillary's decision not to visit Wisconsin in 2016. If Biden loses, this will not be his not going to Wisconsin. Yeah, I mean, the guy, but he doesn't, he can't. This is the problem. This is what they're not realizing. I think the Biden people know damn well that he's not cognitively up to the task. He's not physically fit enough, doesn't have the strength and stamina to do it. He can't dial in long enough. Now, can he get through a debate? Of course he's going to get through a debate. Can he get through reading a speech on a teleprompter? Well, he can do that, too, if he takes a little nap and have some hot cocoa during the day. I mean, his speech yesterday is so out of touch, you know, about uh, California. Trump is a climate arsonist. Well, Gavin Newsom is praising Donald Trump for doing more than any other president in history. By the way, a state that he probably has no shot of ever winning. I'd say the odds are zero. That's how much, you know, but he's still helping California. And he, you know, but he also is talking about real science. And that would be the science of forest management and forestry. And that would mean you have to clean out the debris and you have to have controlled fires, which environmentalists don't want any part of. And, you know, Biden is just now he's just lashing out on everything, playing the race card as he did often yesterday, et cetera. Uh, You know, climate arsonist. Biden says it's ridiculous to say that immigration is threatening our suburbs. Let me tell you, you have wide open borders like Biden wants. Let me tell you how that's going to end. That's going to end with more Americans not getting hired to do jobs. You know, you you look at the facts in all of this and, you know, 50 years of Joe Biden. He's the ultimate swamp creature, not a single accomplishment that Joe could name directly that benefits the American people. 50 years. Read the 110 page Bolshevik Bernie Biden manifesto. It is all talk, no action, broken promises. And in 50 years, eight years as vice president, he didn't do a thing. You know, they're talking about, oh, we're going to ban chokeholds and we're going to do this. And Trump already did all of that. It's called the police reform. He did criminal justice reform. They're talking, he did opportunity zones. He, he literally, by stopping illegal immigration uh, the, to the extent that he has, the president now has built this third hundred mile of wall. And now we have on the southern border, it's going to be 400 miles. And that was an uphill battle. He had to find a way to get the money, considering Congress wouldn't help him. You know, literally, they increased the number of Americans on on food stamps. Biden, Obama, after eight years of 58 percent, there were 13 million more Americans on food stamps, eight million more Americans of poverty. Eight million more means over 43 million Americans. I mean, that's a lot of Americans. You know, if you look at the lowest labor participation rate since the 70s, 95 million Americans out of the labor force, African-Americans out of the labor force, 18.5 percent. Well, that was, you know, you wonder why these polls are showing a a dramatic increase in African-American support and Hispanic support for Donald Trump is because he got the job done well, but he's confrontational. He, He fights too much. Well, I don't want a president that's a wimp. You know, I don't want a president that's that's unwilling to take the fight to get better trade deals. Joe Biden even had to admit NAFTA sucked. And then he blamed the Bush administration. Only problem is it actually happened 
in the Clinton administration when he supported it. Whoopsie daisy. You know, you got to admit that the president's, you know, new deal with Mexico and Canada and Japan, $500 billion first step with China, uh, all our European allies making NATO pay their fair share. And world organization, well, we got to get back in the Paris Peace, uh, Paris Climate Accord. That's our first order of business on day one. Why? So you have India, you have countries like India, countries like China. We, do they they have third world uh, uh, nation status, which means they're not held to the same levels, extreme levels of their carbon footprint as the United States, and we're going to give them that economic competitive edge. No, thank you. We don't need any part of that. That's going to kill American jobs and manufacturing. He's claiming that we're going to have a whole new industry, auto industry. Yeah, well, he also promised that you can keep your doctor and your plan and every family is going to save on average $2,500 per family per year. Sorry, millions lost their doctors, millions lost their plan. We're all paying on average around 200% more and almost 40% of the country has one Obama-Bidencare exchange option. Another exchange option. I mean, it's ridiculous. Apparently in Phoenix, a federal officer has been shot in a drive-by shooting. We'll give you the details of that coming up. Uh, Biden warning that immigration is threatening our... It's ridiculous to say immigration is threatening our suburbs. No, but you have people competing for jobs. What does that do to the average worker? Well, that lowers wages dramatically. That lessens opportunity dramatically. That's why merit-based uh, immigration systems have been adopted all across the world. You know, it was interesting to watch Biden warning that our suburbs will be destroyed by natural disasters if, if the president is to win. And, you know, how many suburbs will be burned by wildfires? We're not managing our forests. We're not practicing the science of forestry and forest management actually you get degrees in this subject it's ridiculous um how many suburban neighborhoods will be flooded out how many suburbs will have been blown away by superstorms? okay this guy's losing his mind he claims that the president won't address the wildfire problem the president is being praised by gavin newsom for helping more than any president in history and and he's doing it in california in a state he's not going to win I mean, there's something wrong with this guy. And you're worried about, you know, the burning of burning up of of cities and towns. Uh, Why don't you just recognize that that a lot of states and cities and suburbs are burning and Democrats aren't doing a damn thing to fix it and stop it. I mean, for the for Biden to calling Trump a president, a, a climate arsonist in the comfort of Delaware while ignoring the state of California is a joke. You know, how about he get, how about he gets in there and gives a speech about a culture that is spiraling out of control and and frankly the lack of of courage to stand up to the anarchists that have been out there hurting our cops, throwing rocks, bottles and bricks and and frozen water bottles using knives and canes and hockey sticks and literally taking over entire neighborhoods and killing innocent people. All right, 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SHAWN, Amazon.com, 40% off, live free or die, America, the world on the brink, 49 days, you are the ultimate jury. 
A federal officer was just shot in front of the Sandra Day O'Connor Federal Building in a drive-by attack there. Uh, This is out, I believe, in Phoenix, Phoenix Courthouse. And multiple shots fired at the officer who was struck in the vest. Injuries are believed to be, at this moment, non-life-threatening. We pray that that's the case. Make no mistake, it's a direct result of the extremism and the anti-police attacks that we've now been seeing all over the country. You know, it's... By the way, did you see this act of heroism on display? You know, when these two sheriff's deputies out in L.A. By the way, Kamala, are you happy? The LAPD budget cut you supported of 150 million dollars i think that's a good idea it was interesting too there's a report on biz pack review and the daily mail reported it first and they actually got a a tape of this that um, included exclusive photos of the agents that are guarding secret service agents that guard kamala harris oh they're carrying ar-15 style uh, assault weapons wow She was on the fake news CNN town hall last year. Upon being elected, I will give the United States Congress 100 days to get their act together and have the courage to pass reasonable gun safety laws. If they fail to do it, I will take executive action. Sort of like Comrade de Blasio. Anyway, the photos of this hero LAPD cop, she's 31 years old. She's a mom. And she just got shot in the jaw along with her 24-year-old partner. And this guy got shot in the head. And, you know, here she is shot in the jaw. She's trying to, you know, call in. I mean, we have the audio if you want to hear it, but it's it's pretty chilling. She's trying to make the call into the precinct, you know, asking for help. Um, and, you know, let's let's play it. So she's trying, she just got shot in the jaw. She can't, you know, I'm sure it was painful for her to even try and speak. Anyway, the LAPD, I mean, so she's literally trying to get help and she's offering help to her more severely injured um, deputy. Unbelievable heroism. Oh, you know, those cops, the ones, you know, that that the group Black Lives Matters chants, you know, what do we want, dead cops? When do we want them now? Joe Biden at his convention doesn't mention the unrest. You know, the thousands of cops now injured. There are 45 cops dead around the country so far this year. 45 killed in the, in the line of duty. Under Biden-Obama, Chicago alone, 4,000 homicides. They barely mentioned it. Over 20,000 people shot. They barely mentioned it. Wow. How do, you, how do you ignore cities burning? How do you ignore now cops being targeted for assassination? Now we got an, another incident today. And you're going to tell me the rhetoric of the left and the silence of the likes of Joe Biden and redirecting funds and police become the enemy and Kamala Harris praising defunding efforts of the police. That's a preview of coming attractions in 49 days in Joe and Kamala's America. Good God help us. This 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 hero, you know, mom, 31 years old, shot in the jaw, but still she 
literally was trying to help her partner who had been shot, had more severe injury shot in the head. It looks like they'll both survive. We have not gotten any word as to whether or not these are going to be injuries that are, you know, that won't be permanent damage. I got to imagine there probably will be. Uh, we've been watching this Hurricane Sally. Uh, Joe Bastardi is with weatherbell.com, the official meteorologist of the Sean Hannity radio show. And, you know, we were discussing this with Linda yesterday. Have they ever named a Hurricane Linda? Has there ever been one? Oh, yeah, there's been Hurricane Linda before. How many? What, 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 here's the question. What year was it? This, uh, Joe will get this right. Oh, boy. No, I, I got I to go look you at gotta that. You got to go back and I look that go, one up. I wow. got to go back and look at Linda. I Linda, think you would like Christine. that, right? A hurricane named after you. I mean, I think every day with me is a hurricane. I'm sure Joe would agree. <laughs> hurricane Hannity. That'll be coming up next. Well, you know, there's a song called Linda, Let Me Be the One, which is a great song. All right. Uh, all right. Enough out of you. All right. Seriously. Nah, that's you know, a everybody song. loves Linda. You know, it's a beautiful song. Everybody loves Linda. Yes, that's right. But uh, in any case, uh, Sally, there's a song called Don't Dilly Dally Sally. And, of course, Mustang Sally. But Sally is a real problem. It is not the power of the storm. It's going to be 80, 90 mile an hour hurricane, which is a bad hurricane. It is the 24 to 36 hour siege that Mobile and Pensacola are under. Those are two big, huge naval installations that are, uh, you know, that are very important to this country. And, uh, of course, the people living there, there's plenty of people living there, too. And this is moving very slowly. The rain is piling up, and the water keeps backing up, backing up, backing up uh, because of the surge, right? So you're getting this uh, prolonged situation rather than, uh, you know, for instance, uh, back in 1979 when Frederick went through Mobile, went very quickly, and it had 135 mile an hour winds. Uh, uh, Ivan in uh, 19 uh, or 2004, for instance, and Opal in 95. These move very fast. This is crawling along, and so this time tomorrow, it's going to be in the vicinity of Mobile, Pensacola, and it's only 60 to 75 miles away from them now. And then it starts moving out after that. So if you live from Gulfport, Mississippi, over all the way to Destin. That area is going to be hit very hard. New Orleans has dodged this storm. Uh, originally, it looked like it could get all the way back to New Orleans, but it's winding up being a Mississippi-Alabama situation, uh, and that is where the core of this storm is going to be going. And so, folks, you folks in that area, you've got to really hunker down. And once it gets inland, there's going to be uh, you know, uh, tornadic activity across Georgia into South Carolina, it looks like for Friday into Saturday, and listen to this one. It gets off the eastern seaboard Saturday, starts racing out to sea, may come to a dead halt southeast of Nantucket, and then try to drift back to the west after that as it gets blocked by a big high-pressure system. So we've seen this before. 67 uh, Doria pulled something like this off the eastern seaboard, but the, the big problem is slow movement, the siege of the heavy rain, and the continual piling up of Gulf of Mexico water into those bays and onto those beaches from uh, Mississippi all the way over to about Destin and Apalachicola and that area where Pensacola and Mobile, the center of the target of this storm. What did you think of Biden calling Trump a climate arsonist uh, yesterday? And we have four more years of Trump's climate denial. How many suburbs will be burned by wildfires? How many suburban neighborhoods will have been flooded out? How many suburbs will have been blown away in superstorms? 
first of all, they, you know, implying that the president can actually control the weather. Well, yeah, I wish I could control the weather. But but the, the thing is, this it's, it comes once a day now. I'll tell you what, I was watching the news conference with uh, Governor Newsom and the president. And Governor Newsom, okay, walked right into a trap. California has not been in a five-year drought, for instance. Precipitation has been near normal over the past five years in California. And California has actually had some very wet years over the past five years. The problem, one of the problems in California is that if you go look at what we call the Palmer Drought Index, folks, what happens is it takes into account demand There are 42 million people now in California. In the 1950s, when it was drier, there were 14 to 15 million people. So what's happening is that drought index is worse now, but it's not because of climate change. It's because of the change in a bunch of other things is going on. There's no question this historic heat wave and the dry weather. Uh, you know, exacerbates the situation. Okay, but what part of this is because their environmentalists are against forest management, Uh, uh, the science of forestry, uh, controlled burns, which is a big part of it, clearing out the debris and the dry, dead wood. Uh, You know, how important are these controlled burns to ensuring that you don't have these out-of-control fires? That has a lot to do with it. That has a, a tremendous amount to do with it. But but what I'm saying is that you have to, and you know how I am about history of the weather and things like that. And, you know, when I was watching that yesterday, I was like, oh, my goodness. He walked right into a trap that the president could have said, well, you know, I've been looking at your precipitation over the past five years. It's been averaging out near normal. So what is the real problem here? Well, the the real problem is, and you have to identify the problem. There's so many people. What's the real problem? It's it's a multitude. It's a combination of everything, Sean, and very little of it is because of attribution to climate change, because the climate's always been changing. But what has changed much more is the fact that there are three times more people in California. There's all sorts of demand in California now. People are living in places where they never lived before in California. So it's all it's a total picture thing and what has happened here through the weaponization of the weather and these events by by what's going on on the other side of the aisle over there is that when something like this happens they just pounce on it and make the american public think well this is the sole reason for this when it is the total picture that has been happening since time began since we can uh, yeah. you know have had right. records Joe Bistardi, right. weatherbell.com. We'll be watching your website throughout the uh, week. Thank you, sir. 800-941-SEAN is our number. You know, this is just a side note. I mean, you can take out of it any interpretation you want. They had the New York Post put in uh, Gallup uh, data that public devotion to America's great cultural pastimes is now in an utter state of collapse over the last year as now political turmoil has infected what used to be an escape. Talking about sports, Federalist Tristan Justice reports the sports industry now boasts a negative image among U.S. adults. Only 30 percent see the sports industry positively, 40 percent reporting a negative image, a huge drop from even just a, a year ago when they had a net positive 20 percent. And for those that think the, the racial component is the biggest part of it, they're pointing out that non-white Americans, quote, drop their support for the industry more steeply than did white Americans. Such are the consequences of the industry embracing the all-encompassing woke revolution, with players now being forced to explain why they won't stand for the national anthem. 
rather than take a knee. Um, if you look at just ratings, I mean, you know, Steelers uh, players, they stood for the national anthem uh, and held the banner before the game, um, ahead of the game with the Giants. And, you know, Pittsburgh said, read Steelers against racism in the banner. Uh, NBC Sunday Night Football ratings crashed like 35%. Uh, dramatic drop-off that we're now seeing all across, you know, all of sports. Um, and, I, you know, I think that, you know, dragging... Look, I, I think players, there's a much better approach, in my view, that players, if, if, if players could use the status as, as role models that they, are, they, they have, it was interesting to watch the L.A. Sheriff, uh, Alex Villanueva, challenge LeBron James to match the reward money for the gunman who went ambushed and tried to assassinate these two cops in, in Compton, these two deputies, um, but... I think if the players were to ask people of all political backgrounds to, you know, help restore law and order and safety and security in neighborhoods and and do it, you know, in coordination with people of all points of view, I think they'd get a lot further. And I think they would get a lot more action. People go to sports because they want to escape all of this. And it's it's, um, you know, I, I under, you know, at the end of the day, does it does it solve a problem? I don't think so. I think there are better ways to solve a problem, and that is, you know, they can get out in neighborhoods and get people of all political backgrounds to support them and institute real change that forces cities to adopt safe policies for citizens and ensures that every kid can get a good education, especially in these inner cities where where the school systems are a disaster like Baltimore. How do you have 13 public high schools and not a single kid is capable of being proficient in math and they're the third highest per capita uh, city in the in the world in terms of spending per student it's insane we're failing america's treasure our kids you don't have a good education let me tell you doors are going to shut in your face and we're allowing this to happen i think and by the way kevin mccarthy is going to join us in the next hour eric trump will join us in the next hour kevin mccarthy came out along with the republicans commitment to america.com and it's like their contract with America and they're every single 435 candidates for the Republican Party to take back the House. That uh, This is what they're pledging to do and they're all going to sign it. He'll explain it later in the program. All right. Live free or die. America, the world on the brink. You are the ultimate jury. Forty nine days until the election, although early voting is started. If you need any election information, we got the interactive map on Hannity dot com. That includes registration. If you haven't registered, that includes information about, all right, when does early voting start in my state? How do I participate if I want to participate in early voting? Uh, how do I participate in absentee voting if you're not going to be uh, in your area that the day of the election? Um, that also is available. Uh, who your congressional candidate is at the bottom of the hour, by the way, Kevin McCarthy is he has a new commitment to America paper. Uh, that every single House candidate in 435 districts will be signing, saying if if you allow us the majority in the House, we will do these things. And I'll go over it in great detail and specificity with him. Uh, first joining us, here we are 49 days out of the election, is Eric Trump. He's the vice president of the Trump Organization. Um, you know, you and I can look at polls all, all we want. There weren't many polls that showed your father winning in 2016, 
Um, yeah. I wish your father did poll better. Um, but you keep reading like the Cato Institute saying there's 62 percent of Trump supporters aren't going to tell a soul who they're voting for. You know, Sean, the only poll I need to know right now, I'm driving through Georgia and I just um, did the evangelical event for, for Trump and five, six hundred people showed up. Right. Including more law enforcement than you've ever seen before. It was incredible. And then I did an Indian American event for Trump and you had hundreds and hundreds of people there. That whole community is incredibly fired up. And then I've been going to victory offices. I mean, I haven't had a single event today that wouldn't have been 10 times larger than any event that Biden's had in the last uh, in the last 90 days. And I mean, I really mean that it, it, the enthusiasm on the ground is incredible. Um, people are fired up. People are pissed off. They don't like this attack on law enforcement. They don't like the attack on freedom of speech. They don't like what the tech companies are doing with them being censored. They don't like how, um, you know, people, the Democrats are coming after Second Amendment. They don't like how the Democrats are coming after religious liberty. They don't want to see their taxes go up. They don't want to see the stock market go down. They don't want to see their 401ks get destroyed. They don't want free health care for um, all the illegal immigrants uh, when we can't even take care of themselves. They want a border wall. Um, Sean, we're on the right side of every one of these issues. And, um, you know, honestly, the other night, and I know you were watching it. In fact, I think some of it was even during the show. But, um, you know, four years ago, the chants were lock her up, right? Now, now listen to the chants um, when we get to these rallies. I love you, and it's um, it's powerful, Sean. I'm telling you, there's there's something that's happening out there even more substantial than um, than 2016, where people really do see the Democratic Party as um, they're unrecognizable. This isn't D versus R anymore. This is um, this is people who love America versus, frankly, I think people that dislike this country. I think you identified this is the biggest choice election. I would even argue, and I argue, and live free or die, America and the world on the brink. This is a tipping point. Because it's it's as basic and fundamental as free market capitalism, uh, risk, reward, innovation, invention, freedom of Americans versus, you know, the, the tyranny of false promises and false hope of socialism. Yep. I mean, how yep. did Obamacare work out now? Now everything is going to be free. And now we're going to have a, we're going to double down on Obamacare. Uh, Kamala Harris doesn't yep. even want choice. We're going to have open oh, borders. We'll become the United Sanctuary States of America. Uh, they will give up energy independence, which your father achieved for the first time in 75 years, the world's largest producer of energy. Uh, They're pledging trillions in new taxes, trillions in new Green Deal program spending. Uh, They're they're pledging the most, it's the most radical agenda, Eric Trump, of any major political party that I know of in the history of this country. Sean, and I think they know they're losing. I mean, I, I really, I really believe that. And, and listen, I, I'm never going to take anything for granted. You know, we work 20 hours a day, every single day. All of us, we travel. We don't take a single vote for granted. But I also think they know it's the end of their platform, and I think it's why they they're trying to cheat. I mean, look at states like Jersey. It's like a great example. I'm telling you, Sean, you 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 might laugh at me when I say we could win New Jersey, right? There's something that's I'm, I'm kind of laughing you, a little bit because I don't. I, I New Jersey's too far gone. <laughs> Sean, I'm telling you, you go down to the boardwalk and you've got six tables next to each other with 12 people deep of all Trump gear. You see these boat parades. People are upset. People are mad. I mean, how much of the African-American community have we picked up in in, in that state and all across um, the nation? They know something's happening. I mean, does anybody think it's coincidence that, you know, the governor wants to change the name of the game and go to all mail-in ballots 65 days before the election? He's not doing that because... The other system didn't work. He's not doing that because of COVID. 
You know why he's doing it? He's doing it because they need fraud in that state. I, I really believe it. And, and they'll try and cheat. They will absolutely try and cheat. And I don't think it's going to matter at the end of the day. I think we're going to beat them so badly. But, but um, I, I look at Joe they, Biden. They, they know if we win, it's the end of their party. I don't care what anybody, it's, it's obvious. You know, where am I tomorrow? I don't know. He mixes up Iraq and Iran. He calls it the, the Harris-Biden ticket. Uh, if we get reelected, he's talking about today. Um, I'm like, OK, it, it's obvious that something cognitively is off. He's not answering questions. He seems weak and frail and confused. And he doesn't some days he doesn't know what office he's running for, what day of the week it is or what state he's in. And it's not happening occasionally. It's not an occasional gaffe. It's a daily gaffe, which is why he's been you know, hiding in his basement bunker. And it's like he's the shadow Manchurian candidate at this point. Yep. Well, I mean, Sean, you, you saw yesterday, he had to ask his wife what state he was going to be in to date. Now, it's not like my father, right? My father, over the last seven days, you, you can list the states as well as I can, but he was in Minnesota and Michigan, North Carolina. He was in Arizona. He was in Nevada. He was in California. Then he was back in Arizona and so on and so forth. I mean, I'm in a different state every four minutes campaigning. This guy literally, as you said, hasn't left his, his basement in 10 days, and he still doesn't know where he's going to be tomorrow. I mean, it, it, it's it's scary. I mean, when he calls Arizona a great state, when he calls Arizona a city, um, when he has to take a question from a really nice, you know, young 17-year-old girl who, who, who asked him, a, you know, some political question, and he's literally telling his teleprompters to scroll down, to scroll down. I mean, no, he actually says scroll up. I, you want me to play it for you? I mean, because this is an incredible moment. I played it on TV a couple of times. I mean, it's and then when you then when his campaign aide was on with Brett Bear and he's asked, does he use the prompter to answer questions? I'm not got this hot. I won't dignify this. And he wouldn't give an answer. But here's what he, the moment as it happened. And I would like to know, what will your administration do to help them give them that chance? Thank you. Let's move it up here. You know, there used to be a basic bargain in this country. Workers shared in the wealth their work helped create. I, I mean, move, yeah, move it up Sean here. Sean is so bad. Sean is so bad. I mean, look at the reflection the other day. You saw, see that he was holding the picture, right? And then in the reflection... Yeah, but that, actually that actually might have, of, that might not have been what we think it is. I just thought, just a word to the wise on that. But, uh, you know... I don't know. It's certain, but, it, it certainly looked like it, but either either way, I mean, if he can't answer a basic question, I mean, how's this guy supposed to negotiate with Putin? How is he supposed to did you, just deal with Kim Jong-un? Uh, move it up, please. Uh, it's like he's so tired. I need a nappy. I need a little sleep. I need cock cocoa. I mean, he's weak, so he's frail, that, and he's the, confused. The, That's it. The one thing that no American can say is my father is the hardest-working president in the history of this country. I mean, look at the way he works. Look at the way he campaigns. He's in every single state. He gets back in the middle of the night. He's up doing peace deals early in the morning. I mean, there's no one that's ever worked like he has. I mean, the fact that Biden what? shows so little respect that he gets out of the house. You know, it was almost 670 days since he was in Wisconsin. I was in Wisconsin last week, and I had a member of the campaign come up to me, and they say, you know, it's really nice that you're here. I go, when's the last time Biden was here? Sir, it's been 670 days since he's been in Wisconsin. I hear you got to be kidding me. I'm like, his convention was supposed to be in Milwaukee. You, you people do know that, right? And yes, sir, he just refuses to show up. I mean, these people are arrogant. Um, you know, they, they take people's votes for granted. They've been doing that with certain communities forever. They don't want to work for anything. It's, um, do you believe these, there's a dramatic, you know, turn of events in terms of when you 
breakdown demographically that the president now is showing consistently 20 plus percent of African-American support. He got 8 percent of the African-American vote in 2016. Same thing is happening with Hispanic Americans. If half of that new support is real, it's game over. Do you believe that that will then translate into votes? There, by the way, there's, there's, there's absolutely no question about it. I believe it because I see it firsthand. I see it on the campaign trail. You look at this attack on law enforcement. I mean, which, which communities does that influence the most, Sean? You know, it, it influences, you know, low-income communities. You know, they're the communities that are begging for more law enforcement, not, not less. Then you look at the radical, you know, agendas of, of AOC and Omar and, you know, free health care for all and elimination of all private health insurance and the elimination of the wall and more taxes and uh, free promises and everything else. I mean, look at Mac, Max Alvarez, who's a dear friend of ours, but that spoke at the convention. I mean, he literally said, I ran away from the very people that I'm seeing speak in the Democratic Party now. I had to flee Cuba because of these people. So, like, Look at the Cubans and look at the, the Venezuelans and, and, and look at so many people from Honduras and so many other things. I mean, Sean, and last but not least, don't forget about Asian Americans in this country because they're so often overlooked and, and they are incredible. And they fall in the same kind of category where so many Vietnamese Americans, so many Filipino Americans, they ran away from these very policies that you're seeing from you know, the left wing fringes of, of, of the Democratic Party right now. And they're pissed off and they're scared and they don't want to go back to what they had to escape from when they were really young. So I, I do. I believe we pick up um, five, ten points in African-American support. I think we do the same with, with, with Hispanic support. I think we do in um, the Asian-American groups. And I think we do with evangelicals as well. There were a lot of people, Sean, in 2016 that didn't know what to make of Trump. Well, he's a brash business guy. He's a little bit uncensored, um, sometimes a little bit unfiltered. He's done more for evangelicals in the Christian community in this country than anybody arguably in history. And um, I think you'll even see him pick up points there, which was kind of hard to believe, considering I think he won 92% of evangelicals last uh, last go-around. Well, the other thing, too, well, Donald Trump is a fighter. He's always fighting. I'm like, yeah, that's how we got better trade deals. That's how we got uh, our our partners in, you know, to support us, and they start paying their fair share. Uh, that's how we became energy independent. That's how he finally got the money for the wall that Congress resisted giving him. Uh, I mean, yeah, he's fighting for us too. And I, I'd rather a president that has the energy to fight than one that doesn't fight at all. And that gives money to the Iranian mullahs to chant death to America. Yep. Thank God we have a fighter because honestly, we haven't had a fighter in, in for generations in, in, in America. I mean, we literally, you, you said it perfectly. It's why we're getting ripped off by China. It's why we're getting ripped off by Mexico. It's why we're losing all our manufacturing. People weren't out there willing to fight. They weren't willing to stand up. And, and um, you know, I think, I think that's my father's single greatest attribute, the, the fact that he's got incredible backbone. There's never been somebody that has a harder chin and more backbone in American history than, than, than this man. And um, I'm proud of that, Sean. I mean, I am, I am truly, truly proud of that because we were getting run over as a nation and it stopped. And they were finally... You remember, I mean, you and I have talked about it a hundred times on the show. Look at when Obama went to China. They didn't even bring a staircase up to Air Force One. You remember that as well as I do, right? No marching band. Uh, no red unbelievable. Cars. They didn't bring anything up. And, you know, now guess what? When, when he goes abroad, it's uh, America's respected again and America's appreciated again. They don't play those games anymore. You know, DJT would not have dealt well with that. John is in Los Angeles, California now losing more population they're taking in. Uh, mass exodus. John, Los Angeles, our prayers are with these two uh, deputies that were 
you know, this attempted assassination. Oh, my gosh, heart-wrenching. Yes, Sean, are you there? Yes, sir. Okay, well, first of all, God bless you for all you you do. You don't know how important your voice is and how dangerous it is what you do. So God bless you for all the risks that you take. Um, Point I want to bring up is when is the Durham investigation to come out? If it does not come out before the election, we lose the opportunity, perhaps, of ever getting justice, and the Democrats will do whatever they need to do to win ever again, and it won't matter. The law won't matter. Listen, I I can't believe it's taken this long. Horowitz's report took too long. This has taken too long, and we ought to be able to know what happened in 2016 before we vote in 2020. Uh, it's sad. And it is, uh, I think that Durham has done a disservice to the country by not working faster. The evidence is overwhelming. It's incontrovertible. Uh, thank you, John. Ty in Wyoming, less than a minute, Ty. It's all yours. Yes, I just want to inform your viewers. Thank you. You're a great American. Uh, that if they're, uh, you know, starving on sports, they could go out and support rodeo. Rodeo, we say a prayer and say the uh, national anthem before every performance. So if they're force depraved, go to a rodeo, watch a cowboy you know, channel on RFPT. You know, Don Imus passed away a while back. I actually have been sponsoring his son, Wyatt, who's a, a great calf roper and, and, and you know, cowboy, um, big time. And I'm a huge fan of the, it's, it's an athletic event. I mean, go if you don't believe it, try and stay on a bull. Good luck. Uh, anyway, I appreciate that reminder. Anyway, 800-941-SEAN. Contract with America, commitments to America. Republican leader McCarthy explains next. All right, 25 till the top of the hour. Live free or die. America, the world on the brink. It's 49 days until you are the ultimate jury. Um, so I've got to give props to the Republicans in the House of Representatives, as put out by Kevin McCarthy. And it's called, it's a paper. It's called Commitments to America, and it has three big titles, Restore Our our Way of Life, Rebuild the Greatest Economy in History, and Renew the American Dream. And under Restore Our Way of Life, it talks about defeating the virus and keeping Americans healthy and how they're going to do it, ensuring the safety and security of all communities, how they're going to do it, uh, preserving our freedoms under our Constitution, including free speech, religious liberty, Defending the Unborn and Safeguarding the Second Amendment. Um, Rebuilding the greatest economy in the world. Adding 10 million new jobs, good-paying career jobs. And supporting local business uh, through a loan program. Obviously, this is COVID-related. Extending the $2,000 child tax credit, Opportunity Zones. And our dependence on China and enhance our economic security. China Task Force recommendations they want implemented. Finally, somebody will do it. And that would mean protecting medical equipment technology out of China. It's intellectual property theft is huge. Upgrading uh, and modernizing our infrastructure. Renew the American dream. Every child in every neighborhood can attend an excellent school. And they're going to do that by allowing students to go to the school the parents believe is best for them and investing in millions in high-quality science, technology, engineering, and math education. A lot of our school systems in big cities run by liberal Democrats for decades are a disaster. Honoring our vets and supporting our citizens now and in the future through a, a very specific efforts. 
It reminds me more than any other time, like a resurgence of the contract with America. Kevin McCarthy is with us. He is the House Republican leader. Um, you know, Reagan once famously said, you know, it, is it um, that we can't have pale pastels, but we need a revitalized Republican Party with bold color differences. And what I see here are, are distinct differences between what the Democrats are offering through Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and radical socialism and radical Green New Dealism, um, and what you're offering is—is uh, is every House member going to sign this commitment? Every House member is signing on, and every candidate will sign on as well. Because when you read this, it's a direct contrast to what the Democrats want. Think about this: two years ago, Nancy Pelosi said that they would work to find common ground. Exactly the opposite. Name me one result that they have had from winning the majority. Name me one problem that they have solved. I mean, really what they have done and what they believe in, they say they want to defund the police. They want to dismantle our government. They spent all their time on impeachment because they didn't agree with the outcome. And now they want to destroy our economy by raising taxes. And the minute he gets into office, that's what Biden said, he's going to raise the taxes regardless of where the economy is at. Now, we lay out a very clear plan, 10 million new jobs, ensuring that our communities are safe, secure, and healthy. We don't defund the police. We actually specify that we're going to add $1.75 billion. Why? For better police training, community policing, and equipment. That includes 500,000 more body cameras. I, I like all this. I, I, can you add to this one thing? It's a little too late in the editing process. I like more non-lethal alternatives. But I wanted to talk about the things that no, matter. I, I, like, I like all of this. And I've yeah. been saying forever, I think we need more body cams. I think every cop should have one. But I also would like to see other non-lethal options for police. You know, I mentioned the burner gun on this program. I'm, I'm just a customer. I'm not, I have no financial interest in it. And I wish I did, actually, at this point. They're doing so well, but it shoots projectiles with tear gas and pepper spray that gives that you can hit a perpetrator that comes into your house from like 30 feet away, 40 feet away. Well, that comes under better police training. Yeah. Learning when to use what weapon, use weapons that are not lethal, but also stop the individual to be able to get them under control if you need that situation. But the other thing is people want to know that they're going to be safe. People want to know that we're going to defeat this virus and not just shut the economy down again. We talk about it here. We're going to triple rapid COVID testing. We're going to develop a vaccine that is safe and effective. And that's, that's really key. It's going to be safe and it's going to be effective. We're going to invest in therapeutics. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to slash the drug prices. We're going to end surprise billing. The Democrats have been in the majority for two years. They've done nothing on it. And we're going yeah. to protect pre-existing conditions. We're very clear about that. And we're going to modernize our medical supply to prepare for any future pandemics, not knowing what China does in the future. But we're not going to be put at the same place that the Obama administration left us in. And another key thing is the way we grow our economy, we're going to end our dependence on China. We're going to end the supply chain that China has. And what that does is build more manufacturing jobs in America. Democrats you know, will not even take on China. You know, I find this fascinating because you see that Biden is trying to co-opt a lot of the Trump agenda and actually says they're going to he's going to insist that things are made in America. And I'm like, well, you <laughs> told us those jobs ain't coming back. Um, you know, he has a record, too. And this frustrates me in a lot of ways because the record is very, very clear with them on the economy. 
And 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 it's simple. He's been vice president for eight years in the Senate and the swamp for nearly 50 years. Can you identify one single thing that he has single handedly led the effort on that has improved the lives of the American people? I I mean, I read the 110 page Bernie Biden manifesto and I don't see a single thing. No. And remember this. He's not quite sure what he did. He votes for NAFTA and then he blamed President Bush well, it was President Clinton during NAFTA. He said, from the other aspect, he was the lead author when it came to the crime bill. The fundamental problems that we have across this nation that perpetuates going after certain individuals. It was the president, Trump, who was able to get a reform when it came to criminal justice, re- reversing what um, Biden had done. And remember how long Biden has been in office, 47 years. When he first went to the Senate, he served with people born in the 1800s. Unbelievable. How come you think he gets a pass on praising the former Klansman Robert Burr, the guy that filibustered the Civil Rights Act of 64, opposed the Voting Rights Act, and then partnered with this guy to stop the integration of our uh, public schools? Kamala Harris whacked him in a debate hard over it. I, I was that girl, as she said. Um, but he didn't want his own kids going to public schools that were racial jungles. That's the word he used. But remember when he said these words of praising Robert Byrd, the cyclone or whatever he is in the KKK, he did it while he was vice president of the United States. He did it at a funeral. You know who else spoke at that funeral? Nancy Pelosi. Well, no, Nancy Pelosi praised him. Both Clintons praised him. Biden praised him. And Schumer praised him. They all praised him. They did. Now, could you yeah, imagine yeah. if Donald Trump had praised a former Klansman that filibustered the Civil Rights Act and was against the Voting Rights Act and fought against integration of schools like, like he and Biden did? What do you think would happen? They'd protest him every day. But you know what the Democrats just did? Selected him as the nominee. But let me take you a step further. When you watched what just transpired in California, where two innocent sheriffs were almost assassinated, walked up, shot, that young sheriff, 31 years old, that's a mother that was a oh librarian gosh. beforehand, Gets out, protects herself, shot through the jaw, calls it in. Kamala she she Harris, calls it in. She, and by the way, we have the call. I won't play it now, but I'm you, telling you. Under, yeah. Oh my she's God, doing her best, and she's trying to save the other guy's life who was shot in the head. She was just shot in the face. Yes. And what has transpired here, Kamala Harris is my senator from California. She's the former attorney general, the top cop, as everyone would say, who are attorney generals. She has said nothing about this. She has been silent on this. But Joe Biden, they were silent on all of the violence that was going on through the DNC. Then all of a sudden they got the warning call from Don Lemon that, uh-oh, we better, <laughs> we better start paying attention because it's showing up in the polls and the focus groups. People care about law and order and safety and security. That's exactly what they got. They got a poll, so they thought they would change something for a day, but they're perpetuating. The worst part about all of this, Speaker Pelosi, she's so out of touch. You know what she does? We're trying to confront China. That's part of our commitment to America. And anybody wants to read it, just go to commitmenttoamerica.com. When we confront China, she says it's a diversion. When peace deals are done, she says that's a distraction. Why wasn't she at the White House today leaving that lawn, having peace in the Middle East? That doesn't mean about a party. That means the country is safer. We have not seen anything like this in our lifetime. And then she calls conservatives domestic enemies. So you can go to commitmenttoamerica.com. Anybody that I recommend everybody research it. I'm going to put it up on Hannity.com. Every Republican that is running for office, either incumbent or 
or, or running in an open seat or, or trying to get back a seat is going to sign, is committed to signing these promises to the American people or these commitments to the American people. This is exactly right. And you know what else we do in here? We talk about making sure we're protecting Social Security and Medicare and reducing our debt. We believe we can reach a bipartisan consensus. When has Nancy Pelosi ever tried to do something bipartisan? We know how important these two entities are. But the difference here is why they talk about defunding, dismantling, destroying. We're talking about restoring our way of life, rebuilding the greatest economy, renewing the American dream. And if we are given the chance, we will then reunite this nation. How do you stop? You talk about renewing the American dream and you talk about safety and security and you talk about the, you know, making sure that every child in every neighborhood can uh, attend an excellent school. And I'm all for school choice. But, you know, the stranglehold of this unholy alliance of teachers unions and the Democratic Party, they would they have the, the mysterious, fierce resistance to anything that would improve these failing school systems. I mean, 13 public high schools in Baltimore, not a single kid is proficient in math, not one. I mean, you have to, and they spend the third highest per capita spending in the industrialized world, the city of Baltimore. So my question is, I mean, can you create some type of online curriculum that would be available for free for every parent that they could bypass their failing school system? We can. So the parent has the choice. The parent is the one who should make the decision here. And you know what? In part of rebuilding our greatest economy, one of those is upgrading and modernizing American infrastructure. Bring high-speed internet to every household in the U.S. Launch a five-year plan to fix our roads, bridges, and airports. And cut the permitting process. So you can have the kids and the parents could have the choice. Can they get the curriculum online and they feel if that's best for them? Or could they go to the school that's very best for their child. Instead of making where you live dependent on whether you're going to get a good education or not, I don't think that's America. I think every child should have that opportunity. Every child should have an opportunity to improve on the generation before them. Commitment to America.com. Uh, I want to find out your discussions with the president about this on the other side. Right as we continue, House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy is with us. Uh, he has just announced that every Republican in the House is going to sign their commitment to America if you give the Republicans the the advantage. In other words, if they run the House of Representatives and you bring them back into power, uh, this commitment is in writing. Every single person running as a Republican for the any House seat all across the country, that's all you know, every Republican district, 435 candidates running that are Republican, they're all signing this. Have you had any opposition from any of them? And has the president looked at this? I haven't had any opposition from him. I've been able to talk to a little bit the president about it, talk to his campaign and others. And you're going to find some similarities. The president pledges to create 10 million new jobs. The president has talked about rebuilding the greatest economy and restoring our way of life. And what you're going to have is you're finally going to have a Congress that will work with their president, not work against them, that will put America first instead of just put politics first, will not waste our time when it comes to just doing impeachment. What we have here is exactly what you will know we will do if you trust us with the ability to have the majority. This is our roadmap. This is what talks, this is our commitment to you. It doesn't matter whether you're Republican, Democrat, Green Party, it doesn't matter what gender, what color or skin you are. Our commitment is to all Americans to uphold this. 
And that means rebuilding our military, supporting our troops, securing the border, enforcing immigration laws, upholding freedom of speech, protecting religious liberty, defending the unborn, safeguarding the Second Amendment and our Constitution, uh, restoring America to better health and also opportunity zones, ending our dependence on China, uh, upgrading America's infrastructure and keeping neighborhoods safe, restoring law, order, safety, security, uh, ensuring the VA Choice Healthcare Program continues, and uh, and changing this busted educational system. Anyway, I give you a lot of credit. Um, we guarantee we make sure any veteran who wants a job will find them one. All right, commitmenttoamerica.com, Kevin McCarthy, every Republican candidate, 435 uh, candidates across the country signing on to this. And if you want to see it, it's on Hannity.com or CommitmentToAmerica.com. Kevin McCarthy, job well done. That's an agenda. Now people can support it or they can go with the socialist utopia of Kamala and Joe. uh, If Joe can remember what day of the week it is. All right. Thank you, sir. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Uh, Byron York, chief political correspondent of The Examiner, comes uh, in when we get back. And much, much more. And we'll take your calls. 800-941-SEAN. News Roundup Information Overload Hours next. Hannity, 9 Eastern tonight. Fox News. Quick break. Right back. We'll continue. Live free or die. America, the world on the brink. 800-941-SEAN. Toll-free telephone number. 40% off, by the way. Uh, as it relates to uh, uh, now getting the definitive information on what this campaign is and will be all about and what's at stake in all of this. Uh, Byron York is the chief political correspondent for the Washington Examiner. He's a great columnist, great author, Fox News contributor, provides names, countless on the record, behind the scenes accounts for the true motives of Russiagate impeachment, the witch hunt built on dozens of hours of interview in his brand new book. It's called Obsession Inside the Washington Establishment's Never Ending War on Trump. And this is a must read book because, you know, we got an election coming up in 49 days. And, you know, why why Donald Trump initially resisted advice to fire Comey conversations exposing Mueller's suspected cognitive decline. Everybody knew about it. I don't know what GPS is. It's not a trick question. I have no idea what fusion GPS is. I didn't know I had a Clinton attorney working for me. I mean, it's unbelievable. And he obviously when he did testify, he wasn't on not in the loop basically knew nothing it was an embarrassment uh bill barr has commented how there could be additional criminal charges in the durham investigation and he doesn't think the durham interim report will affect anything regarding the election and here's what he said we ask you finally about the durham report um is john durham nearing the end of his investigation yeah i'm not going to characterize exactly where he is uh just leave it at that. Okay. Would you say it's unlikely that there'll be further criminal charges? No, I wouldn't say that at all. No. So there could be. Yeah, there could be. Will we hear anything about the Durham report before the election? Yeah, I'm not going to get into that either. Well, could there, for example, be an interim report? I'm not going to get into what there might be. Well, how about the question this way? If there is an interim report before the election, won't some people think that that's an attempt to influence the election? Or would that be a fair accusation if there were an interim report? Well, this is sort of a hypo or a hypo. Why not? Okay, but I'll just say, you know, nowadays there are people who will say anything and you can almost bank on the fact as to what they're going to say. And I don't let that bother me. I'm going to do what I think is right and in the public interest. You wouldn't be concerned if there were an interim report. 
depends on what the report said. And, and you know, as I've already said, you know, I'm conscious of the election, and I don't think any of the things uh, that are being worked on uh, are going to have an adverse effect on that. And I also think there's, you know, strong public interests involved as well. What would be the utility, though, in an interim report? Why not wait till it's done? Well, I haven't said there is going to be one, and that's a hard question to answer in the abstract. The book is called Obsession Inside the Washington Establishment's Never-Ending War on uh, Donald Trump. Uh, Byron York is uh, with us, uh, investigative reporter. Uh, A lot of bombshells in this book. We have to see this also through the prism of, you know, now Mueller's team, 27 phones were wiped clean, and they all seem to make the same mistake. And Andrew Weissman admits making it. Uh, on one phone, and then he makes up an excuse for another phone, 27 of them, because they put in the wrong passwords over and over again? That sounds a little suspicious, Byron York. Hi, Sean. Thanks for having me. It, it Look, it's very fishy. Uh, it's very difficult to erase all the contents of your cell phone by entering the wrong password. Uh, no manufacturer would make it easy to do that. People have their, their contacts, they have their photos, they have all sorts of things on their cell phone. It's really hard to do it. And, you know, you brought up this, uh, speaking of Andrew Weissman, you brought up this question of Robert Mueller's cognitive decline. And we all saw on July 24th, 2019, when he testified before Congress, uh, it was supposed to be the big Watergate show for Democrats that was going to, Mueller was going to stand up and deliver this indictment of President Trump, and then the country would just decide that they wanted to remove President Trump from office. That was the big hope, and it was a disaster. Um, Mueller was clearly confused at times. He had difficulty answering some basic questions, couldn't form complex sentences, and people were were genuinely shocked at at that. But the, the Trump team was not shocked at that because more than a year earlier, April 2018, Rudy Giuliani has just joined the Trump defense. Uh, there's a get acquainted meeting. Uh, Mueller is there. The conversation turns, and you'll remember this very well. There was a ju- there's a Justice Department policy that says a sitting president cannot be indicted. That was a huge part of the whole Mueller-Trump case. Uh, the conversation turns to that, and Mueller does not remember it. He does not recall what this policy is. Now, the Robert Mueller of old would have known all about it, but he couldn't remember. And his, his staff was covering for him. They're saying, oh, well, we know all about it. We'll, we'll get back to you later. We'll talk later. Uh, but afterwards, the, the, the Trump team said, wow. What, what was that? We, we don't really know what's going on. He didn't seem familiar with the most basic aspects of the case. He didn't know what Fusion GPS is. He had Correct. no idea that Jeannie Ray was once Clinton's attorney. I mean, it's, reason, I, I, it was shocking to, to hear this. this. Is a big concern. Not, just because in, in addition to just the human concern about uh, a man having difficulty dealing with things. The reason this was a big concern was, remember when he hired, at the beginning, he hired all of these very partisan Democrats to work on his investigation, including Andrew Weissman, who actually went to Hillary Clinton's election night event in New York City, which was supposed to be the big celebration. Didn't work out. Um, but and he also Mueller has hired, a history of prosecutorial abuse, as Sidney Powell you know, exactly. outlined in he her book. all of these partisan Democrats. And Donald Trump complained about this. He said, wait a minute, you're investigating me and you've hired partisan Democrats. And all of Mueller's defenders said, Bob Mueller is straight down the middle. 
he will keep these prosecutors in line. But when, when Trump's team could see behind the scenes that Mueller was perhaps not up to running the office, they then began to wonder who really is running this office. And I'll tell you, they never really found out. So I think one of the bigger blockbusters in the book is that Mueller's team knew very early in the investigation there was zero evidence of Russian collusion. As a matter of fact, just the opposite. Now, we know that James Comey, who signed the first FISA application, and the bulk of that information we now confirmed, it's not an issue anymore, uh, was the dirty dossier. Sally Yates said it, and, and McCabe had said it, and everyone else pretty much has said it, that without the dossier, they wouldn't have gotten the FISA application approved. So they relied on a, a bought-and-paid-for Russian misinformation document. Hillary paid for it, and Steele had a political agenda, and they kept all of this from the court. They were warned numerous times before the first FISA application. You know, then after the president's elected, uh, then Comey goes to Trump Tower, the famous Trump Tower meeting. There's this dossier. It's salacious, but it's unverified. Now, it says on the top of a FISA application, verified. Then we know that Steele's subsource when was interviewed in January of 2017. The subsource said none of this is true. This is all bar talk. So they knew then that there was no evidence. They knew before the first FISA application. They certainly knew in January of 2017. That is absolutely correct. On this, you know, b- behind the scenes, people didn't know this. Trump was stunned by the appointment of a special prosecutor. He, he, he didn't expect that. Uh, but once it happened, he had, to, he had to deal with the office. And he came up with, with a proposal that was really radical cooperation. He made a deal with Mueller. There was a, there was a meeting within the first few weeks of Mueller's uh, tenure. He didn't even have all of his office furniture yet. And the Trump, Trump team said to him, look, President Trump wants this investigation over quickly. Now you, the special counsel, you're going to want uh, all sorts of evidence from us. You're going to want documents. You're going to want to interview people. Uh, a lot of that's covered by executive privilege. We could object and it would take forever to fight it out. But here's the deal. President Trump will give you everything, all the, all the interviews, all the documents, everything, if you will promise to get this investigation over quickly. And Robert Mueller and John Dowd, the president's lawyer, shake hands over it. Never written down, wasn't signed, but they shake hands over it. So what happens is Mueller immediately begins to look for collusion, just like you were talking about. He's looking for collusion, but by the fall of 2017, after just a few months, the Trump people can see that Mueller's coming up with nothing. He has nothing. So in late 2017, in December, they have a big meeting, and the Trump people say, look, we know you've been looking for collusion. You haven't found it. It's time to wrap this up. We held up our end of the deal. We gave you everything, and it's time to wrap this up. And instead of wrapping it up, the Mueller's team said, no, we're not wrapping it up. We're going to look into allegations of obstruction of justice, and by the way, we need to interview the president. So all of this cooperation that the president had done with Mueller really came to nothing, even though Mueller could not find collusion. Pretty pretty unbelievable when you think about it. Um, yeah. Now, you also, in the book, you go into this whole impeachment-obsessed party and how Nancy Pelosi gave in to the mob within her party. Well, the, there was a real quid pro quo, and that was... Joe Biden holding out a billion taxpayer dollars as leverage on tape, bragging about it. You're not getting a billion dollars unless you fire the prosecutor investigating my my zero experienced son who went on GMA and said, do you have any 
expertise, knowledge, and energy? No. And oil? No. Gas? No. Um, Ukraine? No. Why are you being paid millions millions of dollars? I don't know. Um, uh, do you think because your father controlled the money? Maybe. Yeah, probably. That's it. Now, Ron Johnson is saying that the Ukraine report will show Joe Biden's unfitness for office. And Peter Schweitzer, who I think is a great investigative reporter, says new evidence makes Hunter Biden's business deals reek worse than ever. Um, so let's go back to what you put in your book, uh, which is that on all of these things, Trump lawyers were less worried about the Democrats' Ukraine investigation than Nancy Pelosi gave into the pressure to do it. Yeah. Um, remember, during the 2018 uh, campaign for Congress, the Democratic strategy was don't talk about impeachment in public and plan for impeachment in private. And that's exactly what happened. And immediately after they won, Adam Schiff and Jerry Nadler, two of the um, chairmen, began uh, planning for impeachment. But, you know, there was a moment that happened in December 2019, which is not even a year ago, December 2019, House Democrats are racing to impeach the president. They are rushing to get it done by Christmas. And a reporter asked Nancy Pelosi, what is the hurry? What's the rush here? And Nancy Pelosi said, there's no rush. This has been going on for two and a half years since Mueller. And a lot of Republicans said, wow, finally, she has admitted it. This impeachment, it's not about Ukraine. It's not about a phone call. It's part of a continuing effort to try to remove the president from office. There was a long effort hoping to impeach the president on the basis of what Mueller found. And when that blew up, fizzled, whatever image you want to use, when that went away, Ukraine popped up. So the whole time, there was a long effort to remove the president from office. It's unbelievable. I mean, it is a page-turner, as Molly uh, Hemingway said. Uh, it's called Obsession Inside the Washington Establishment's Never-Ending War on Trump. We'll continue with Byron York. I want to ask you when we get back if you think this is going to impact the election and if we're going to get a report or more indictments. And as we continue, our uh, investigative reporter, Washington Examiner, uh, co- political correspondent uh, Byron York is with us, also a Fox News contributor, obsession inside the Washington establishment's never-ending war on Trump. Uh, so I guess now the, the question is, what do we see out of Durham in the days leading up to this election? Is it going to be a report? Is it going to be more indictments? There's been a lot of speculation in the last 48 hours about what's coming next, and something's coming soon. Well, all the sound you just played from Bill Barr didn't really clarify it much. Um, A a lot of people thought it would have been out by Labor Day. Labor Day has come and gone. My feeling is uh, there's there's two ways to look at it. There's there's looking at a report as a way to find out more about what happened. And I think we're definitely going to get that. Uh, We're going to get that. It's going to tell us more, for example, about what the CIA did in targeting Trump. Um, that the Justice Department, Inspector General... I'm hearing the CIA might come out looking better than anybody thought, including myself. And as much as they were telling them not to use the dirty dossier, they were leaking it on the other hand, but they were... There was a debate about the dossier, and the CIA CIA called it Internet gossip. Um, But there is still more to learn about that. Now, on the question of indictments, I mean, clearly some people want to see some uh, somebody, you know, put in handcuffs and taken down to the station. I just don't know uh, if we're going to see that. Um, I'm hearing that there would be prominent names and maybe not some that I think absolutely should be there, but people that we will all know well. And that's that's the latest that I heard. Now, I don't know. We've been waiting a long time. 
Either way, you the know, book is the... fascinating. It's it's well researched. I got to give you a lot of credit, as you always do, impeccable research. Uh, it's called the Obsession Inside the Washington Establishment's Never Ending War on Trump. It'll never stop, even if the president wins re-election. Uh, Byron York. It's on Hannity.com, Amazon.com. Now out in bookstores everywhere. Uh, you have the audio book and Kindle uh, as well. Uh, thank you, sir, for being with us. Sean, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. Your calls are next as we continue. I live free or die, America, the world on the brink. If you haven't gotten your copy, uh, Hannity.com, Amazon.com, bookstores everywhere, 40% off on Amazon. Uh, So we have this historic peace deal today with Israel, the UAE, and Bahrain. I mean, this is history in the making. Now, you would think that, okay... The president, maybe the mob, the media, that he'd get, you know, good, job well done when you think about it. They had the official signing ceremony. It's a historic peace agreement. Uh, so let me tell you, it takes a lot of courage on, on the part of the UAE and Bahrain to finally, you know, promote peace, stability in the Middle East. It's going to be good for everybody. We've been talking about unprecedented cooperation and alliances formed in large part because of the stupidity of Biden and Obama and their $150 billion deal that ended up funding terror uh, with all the Iranian mullahs that chant death to America. They got nothing in exchange for that. Absolutely nothing. So the president presiding over the signing ceremony at the White House, establishing the foundation for this peace agreement and a pretty amazing moment. But if you're listening to NBC fake news, you know, there's the president presides over a White House ceremony Tuesday that celebrates the establishment of diplomatic ties between Israel, the UAE, boosted by Friday's announcement that the kingdom of Bahrain and Israel will normalize relations. The world needs to see this charade for what it is. I'm like, what? I, I, I mean, are you do you really hate Donald Trump that much? They can't say a good word when they take out Soleimani or Baghdadi and Associates, or the Al-Qaeda leader in Yemen, or defeat the caliphate in Syria. Now you got historic peace deals. You got unprecedented cooperation with the United States, Israel, the Jordanians, the Egyptians, the Saudis, the Emirates, uh, to battle against Iranian hegemony because of the money and the power uh, that was given, that emboldened the Iranians, uh, through the Obama-Biden stupidity and appeasement process. And and that's how they characterize this. This is what the president said in announcing this deal earlier today. After decades of division and conflict, we mark the dawn of a new Middle East. Thanks to the great courage of the leaders of these three countries, we take a major stride toward a future in which people of all faiths and backgrounds live together in peace and prosperity. In a few moments, these visionary leaders will sign the first two peace deals between Israel and the Arab state in more than a quarter century. In Israel's entire history, there have previously been only two such agreements. Now we have achieved two in a single month, and there are more to follow. Israel, the United Arab Emirates, and Bahrain will establish embassies exchange ambassadors and begin the cooperate and work together so strongly to cooperate as partners across the broad range of sectors from tourism to trade and healthcare to security. They're going to work together. They are friends. 
The Abraham Accords also opened the door for Muslims around the world to visit the historic sites in Israel and to peacefully pray at Al-Aqsa Mosque in Jerusalem, the third holiest site in Islam. Together, these agreements will serve as the foundation for a comprehensive peace across the entire region, something which nobody thought was possible, certainly not in this day and age, maybe in many decades from now. All right, the president making that statement earlier today, pretty, pretty profound. You know, charade, that's how your, your fake news mob media mentality works today. Uh, all right, let's see. say hi to Walt. He's in, well, liberal California. He's out in San Francisco and paying more taxes than pretty much anybody else in the country. How you doing, Walt? Glad you called, sir. California, for the first yeah. time ever, losing more residents than, than bringing people back into the state of California. Congratulations. Yeah, Great distinction. Yeah, it's gone. If, 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 if taxes don't do it, the fires are doing it, but it's definitely the taxes. But I wanted to get right to my point, and I thank you for your show, and it's been a while um, since I've been on the show. But, you know, the two influential people of my lifetime, I'm 72 years old living here, and they have been President Reagan and Donald Trump, and both of them came along at the right time in history for us. And I look at Donald Trump now as, as such a such a genuine president, and, and I watch, as I did with Reagan, I watched every one of his conferences when he went to the American people. A little different today with social media. Now it's, we call it, I guess to be politically correct, the peaceful protest for Donald Trump. But I haven't missed a, a, a rally or a peaceful protest of Donald Trump since he's been president. And I will tell you this, I watched the last two, and what he said, I think he needs He's trying to fire up the base. He said, I only wish in Michigan, he was very passionate about it. In Henderson, he even went a little bit stronger where he said, I only wish the Republican Party fought like the Democrats did, fought harder and fought for my agenda. And I couldn't agree with him more. And I am so fired up that I want to fire the Republican Party up to get behind this president that has been fighting for us for four and a half years under all of these miserable odds against the rhinos of the party, against the media, and against the liberals. And I will tell you this. If you can convert Leo Terrell <laughs> to the Republican side to vote, for, to vote for Donald Trump, Sean, you can do anything now. I can tell you that. And I, Look, I'm not just, worried about the people. The people of this country understand Donald Trump. I mean, they, they, look, there are some people that don't like his style. I get it. That's fine. But do you want a president right. that's going to fight for you, or do you want, you know, Joe Biden that can't even, you know, refer to his own ticket right? I mean, a guy that says he he's running for re-election and and hopes you'll support a, a Harris uh, Biden administration, and uh, he gets a rack and a ran wrong again today. This this guy is just clueless. He's over the place. I can tell you this: I have Democrats. But, uh, but, but listen, you're not going to get the Joe Scarboroughs of the world. They're you know they're supporting Joe Biden. You the the. the the single most extreme radical out of the mainstream socialist candidate ever. You know, if you look at these groups, the Lincoln Project and the Steve Schmitz of the world, you know, that, you know, ran the McCain campaign, frankly, not very well. Um, I, I, they're just very bitter that they claim that they're Republicans. They're not Republicans. They're not they're not conservatives either. I mean, I you know, it's a charade for them to act like there's something that they're not. If you're supporting Joe Biden, you're supporting socialism.
you know, under the guise of I'm a Republican and I don't like all the contentious fighting of Donald Trump. They just hate the man. It's personal for them. I have Democratic friends that are moderates that are voting for Trump in California. Now, he's not going to win California. But if that can speak monuments to the battleground states that don't say they're going to they're saying in the polls they're not voting for Trump. I got to tell you something, Sean. I'm on a different course. I think Trump's going to win in a landslide. And I don't mean to be to be soft or to sit there and get cushy on this thing. But I do think that there's there's millions of people that will not say they're going to vote for Trump. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you that. I'm going to tell you I don't have a clue. I can't tell you today that Donald Trump's going to win re-election. He can lose. That is right. absolutely a fact. And right. it's really going to be up to the American people. That's why we put up a, an election map. All right, where do you register? Did you register yet? If you haven't, you can still get registered in many states. Uh, early voting. When does that start? How do you vote absentee if you're not going to be there? Uh, you know, who's running for Congress? I like what Kevin McCarthy did today with his commitment to America. You know, he's, every single Republican House candidate is signing this. I like what's on there. I don't like everything perfectly, but it's, you know, it is a plan. It is proactive. It is a vision. And, and I, you know, I think that he's, he's on the right path. I can't tell you that you're right, and I wish I could. But the reality is, is that, you know what, there are a lot of people that are complacent. You know, it's hard enough for a Republican um, complacent. There are a lot of people that are are frankly not engaged and some people just lazy and some people think, oh, it's in the bag. It, I don't believe that at all. And I think that the president could win. I think it could be very close. I think he can win by a large margin. I think he could lose. So my, my attitude is fight with everything you've got and do everything you can do in the next 49 days. So you can look yourself in the mirror and say, I tried my best. And that the president's doing his part. And I think that, um, you know, it's it's going to be an interesting 49 days. Anyway, I've got to keep going. Thank you so much, Walt. Uh, appreciate it. Kevin is in New Hampshire. Live free or die. Uh, sir, glad you called. Welcome to the show. Hey, Sean. First time caller. Uh, long time listener. I've been listening to you for a long time. And I wanted to congratulate you on the name of your book, although I have not <laughs> read it yet. And I apologize for that. But no problem. New Hampshire and Minutemen, uh, live free or die is our motto. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm, I'm a martial arts practitioner. I've been practicing for 47 years. Uh, I'm a wow. master in three different styles. And I've been listening to you talk. What, what three styles are you uh, a master? Kepo, Kepo, Aikido, and Haku Jiu-Jitsu. So I'm, I'm, I, have a sort of, I do an eclectic blend in my training. I train every day, an hour and a half a day. It's uh, Krav Maga, Kempo, uh, Japanese Jiu-Jitsu, uh, boxing, situational street yeah. fighting. Yeah. Good and the the, the hucker blades, guns, firearms. I do it all. Well, and that's what uh, well, I heard you mention it a few times yesterday. I was so proud of you with the de-escalation conversation that you had, and I just thought you did martial arts. Your instructor and yourself so proud with the way that you talked about de-escalation. And although with your monologue you just got, I think it fired up a lot of people. Maybe do de-escalation. No, l- listen, with the knowledge I, I have, and but I thought it was great. You're, you're forty. What? Great. How many years? Forty-three years. You said you were doing that. Been doing this. I'm forty-seven. I started when I was forty-seven. 10, I, I'm fifty-seven. Okay, I'm years old. I'm seven years in. I am a student of these arts, and it's an eclectic blend of arts. And frankly, it's it's really specialized to my unique situation as a public figure. I mean, when yeah. I talk about you know, I do a lot of a lot of repetitive training, 
in dealing with, okay, if somebody pulls out a knife, if somebody puts a gun to my head or my back or close to me or just in front of me, you know, disarming, you know, basically and strip the gun, doing. fight the man, yes. strip the gun, break the finger, strip yep. it, tap rack four doing. over three. I mean, I do it over and over again. I do that drill almost every day. It's, I know I can hurt people. I don't ever want to hurt anybody. And if people want to call me names, I'm not going to get in a fight over that. I'm going to try and say, okay, you're welcome to your opinion. Thank you. And I will walk away, walk backwards, make sure that I'm safe. And I will try everything in my power to avoid having to defend myself. Everything. I will, I will, I'll do anything to avoid it. I even run to avoid it, to be honest. And I'm not a coward. Trust me. Yeah, that was great yesterday the way you did that. And, you know, Sean, the only difference between somebody who's a master and somebody who's a student is a master has been a student longer. I'm still a student. I'm still learning. I'm still learning every day. It never ends. The day that you stop learning is the day that you die. And as long as you keep practicing real-world situations, you're doing yourself and your instructor. You know, my my sensei says this to me all the time. He says, you do not even know how powerful that you become. He goes, you don't know your own strength at this point. You don't really recognize your own skill level. He says it to me all the time. He says, you you need to be... And which is a compliment in a way, but you know, I'm, I am not afraid to say I will, I will do everything in my power to get away and extricate myself from any confrontation. And if people, you know, t- it interpret that a different way, that's fine. But if push comes to shove, I'll go and, uh, I'm trained to go and not stop. What you just said was spoken like a true martial artist. And yeah, I don't, I by the way, I don't, I would never take pleasure in hurting somebody. It would only be no, I when know. I have no other option. You know, what bothered me about the George Floyd case, and you understand this as well, um, especially yes. you work in Kempo and Jiu-Jitsu, is that, you know, yes. you can, I can take two fingers of a guy that's in handcuffs and manipulate them, and I'll have full compliance, two fingers, and I won't break the fingers. Yeah. I'll just, it'll, it, they'll, ah, ah, that's what will happen. You well, know, listen, I was just talking to one of the officers that I deal with yesterday, and they're talking about giving these guys training, but they're talking about cultural awareness and stuff. What they should be teaching uh, is more hand-to-hand combat stuff. So it's it's got to be hand-to-hand itself. combat. Listen, I can put you in a rear naked choke. I, there are targeted strikes. You know where they are. We practice them, you know, yeah. to yeah, one absolutely. carotid artery. If I, if I hit... If the strike is effective, we particularly like to actually sort of skim the jaw and and hit the one inside of a carotid artery. The person's going to drop to their knees and probably won't be able to stand up if they try. Absolutely. Yeah, but I don't want to do that if I don't have to. Stomach nine or stomach six and and I want to do more damage. You know, it's 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 very all encompassing and it's it's designed specifically for the life that I live to protect myself and my family. And um, well, if you ever come to New Hampshire, New England, look. Me I'd up. love to train with you. I'd love, love to or, train with you, sir. All right, it'd be my honor, sir. God bless you. Oos, eight hundred nine four one. Sean is our number. All right, that's going to wrap things uh, up for today. Loaded up. We have Lawrence Jones with the Biden campaign in Florida today. Senator John Kennedy, uh, Dan Bongino, Geraldo, Dave Rubin. Mike Huckabee, and much, much more. 9 Eastern, Hannity, Fox News, set your DVR. Hope you'll set it every night. We'll see you tonight at 9. We'll be back here tomorrow.